Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Football Gentron, the only English language podcast dedicated to Armenian football. I'm your host, Adam, and I am joined here by my lovely co-hosts, Charens and Armin. How are you gentlemen doing? Uh, I don't know how to answer that question <laughs> because there's, uh, I mean, As I'm always, a bit see. scared, not, not going to lie, a bit scared. There is a lot to discuss, a lot to cover as usual, uh, and this is my favorite time of the year, you know, when the national team uh, camp comes back. But before we get into any of that, let us begin <laughs> domestically in Armenia. Uh, Punic have won the Armenian Premier League title. They edged out Urardu in the final match of the season and have officially clinched the title on 74 points. Um, Arana Armenia, who are three points behind them and have a game in hand, uh, still cannot win the title because of a head-to-head with Punic. Uh, Punic was successful in all of their meetings uh, this season, and they take the title. And not only do they take the title, they take the only Champions League spot. So mm-hmm. really, really, you know, great season. I mean, seeing two teams finish in the 70s for points is insane. I don't think that's ever been done. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think this has ever happened before, where two teams were able to get that many points in the league. Um just to run down the list for you guys, Punix in first place, Adara Armenia in second, Alashkert in third, uh, edging out Adara Yerevan in fourth on 46 points, followed by Noah, Urardu, Noravank, Van, and Bekma in the bottom place. Um, it's yet to be known whether or not Bekma are actually going to be relegated, but we'll get into uh, once we have a little bit more information. Uh, but Armin, speaking of information, we got a little bit more information on Noravank, right? Yes, I was muted. Okay. But yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Norvank wasn't uh, accepted into their UEFA license under the supposed reason that they are not in existence for more than three years, which is, I don't want to use um, the wrong words here because uh, it's unfair. It's, Being real, it's unfair because uh, you guys mentioned from time to time how UEFA changes their rules and and their whole systems constantly, especially when it comes to UEFA Nations League, but not only, as we see here. Because on the one hand, Noravank is supposedly forbidden from European football because of this reason that they don't exist for more than three years or three years or more or whatever. But a couple of years ago, FCAA, Ararat Armenia, everyone remembers, they basically became champions the, on their first season at the APL. And they weren't even like barely two years into existence. And they, I think they went, uh, they became APL champ- champions twice in a row. And they did play European playoffs. Uh, of course, later on, they went on to lose both times. Um, at the very final round on penalties after dominating. And then it was a massive um, cold feet case both times. But that's not the thing. The, the, the problem is the hypocrisy or, or the double standards or 
changes in ruling or whatever. Sadly for Noah, uh, sorry, Norvank, uh, they can't get into Europe. I mean, everyone wanted to, wanted them to, to go into Europe, and they are not. Uh-huh. This means, you know what this means, though? They yes, access. Yeah. That there's a difference in allocation now. So because of the whole Russia thing happening, uh, our cup winner was supposed to start in the Conference League second round. Uh, but would now have, because would have been Noravank. it would have been Noravank, but now because that's not the case, uh, apparently what's going to happen now, as of now, uh, is Adela Armenia, who are in second place, uh, is going to be awarded the Conference League second round start. Uh, in my none opinion, of this that's is a set silver lining. Of course, yeah, because we don't. I don't. I didn't anticipate Noravank. I anticipated yeah. them crashing out immediately. Um, but you know what? I mean, realistically, whatever Noravank would have made, we really don't know. They maybe they would have shocked everyone. I don't know. But realistically speaking, and 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 uh, on paper, Ararat Armenia has a much better chance of making European uh, group stages. Yes, and and to the there's also a benefit to other clubs now. Uh, Alashkert and Ararat, who are in fourth place, are actually going to get the two Conference League first round berths. So. Ararat, who slipped up and lost that, you know, third place position, Alashkert, are now rewarded. Uh, so yeah, because of these complications. But uh, but from what we understand, Noravank is uh, suing, and they're taking this to the court of arbitration. So we'll keep you all posted on that as soon as we know more. But speaking of Ararat Armenia, uh, there seems to be some rumors of some managerial changes. Uh, Chalens, what's going on by the vice champions? They're very likely uh, going to appoint Vartan Bichakchan, who was the Ararat Yerevan coach. Last year, he led them to Europe. Am I right? He was the 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 manager for uh, against that high-intense game of uh, many goals being yes. scored. Yeah, you're right. It was like... First it was beating... Like, uh, they beat Fehervar, a.k.a. Yeah, it was that team. For there the you go. 90s. Yeah. Uh, and they then later on almost beat the Polish. Yeah. I don't remember the name close. of that team. Uh, I think and, it was... Um, I don't know. I'll remember it. Anyway, go. <laughs> a lot of W's and a lot of C's and S's so and slash, Z's. Ash Slash Vorklav. Yeah. Yeah, The thing is there's gonna be a reunion for this mm-hmm. because uh, there's the central mutual partners of Udo and Muratyan mm-hmm. who are his favorite players. <laughs> uh, he coached uh, in Chirak, uh, Gumran and Ara Girevan. And you know, reunion in football is uh, something that many people love to see. So this is becoming uh, more likely and likely. Yeah, I think I think this only further furthers you know our hope of having two teams in Europe because Bichakchan, we think you know domestically speaking, I think we've said this before, we think he's the best coach, and you give him the resources and the players that Ararat Armenia have, and I think we'll see a very, very good outcome. 
Um, not to mention the rumors that a lot of the foreign players, I think there was a list of eight or so, will no longer be with the club. So, And, and we know Bichakjan likes to take a very Armenian-centric approach, and we, of course, are fully supportive of that one. Any other notes or thoughts to add to that, boys, before we move on? No, no just very, no very excited if, if yeah. it happens. I mean, if, if they do uh, appoint Coach Vatan, it would be super exciting. I mean, it would be kind of like a return to the basis for, for FCAA. Agreed, agreed. Well, yeah, they're going to go into Conference League. Hopefully they go uh, through it a lot. And mm-hmm. since we're saying about Conference League, Henrik Mkhitaryan is the first champion uh, of the Conference League in history. Yes, yes, yes. He is not AS the, Roma. So he's not only the in the in the team that won the first ever UEFA Europa Conference League. He's also one of two players, him and Chris Smalling, uh, the two only players who have won both the Europa League and the Conference League, which is pretty cool. And Jose and, Mourinho. And Jose, well, Jose Mourinho is actually the first manager to win all yeah. three. He won the Champions League, uh, he's won the Europa League, and he's won the Conference League. So My name is Jose Mourinho. <laughs> he's uh, Obviously, congratulations to Henrik. He's the most decorated Armenian player, and he's only adding to that. But now questions have risen on his future with a potential move to Inter Milan. Yeah, Romano uh, reported this as well yesterday. Yeah, Fabrizio Romano reported it. And, and maybe by the time this episode comes out, there might be some sort of resolution to this. I'm assuming there will be. Uh, so you'll probably know if you're listening to this in the future. I'm just hoping for Romano one day to report about Spurzian. Maybe. Maybe maybe this summer if he does well in the national team camp, which is uh, the next topic of conversation. Our flow in this episode is just, well... Un, 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 unparalleled. The Armenian <laughs> national team has called up a roster to compete in the UEFA Nations League. Now, as a reminder, the UEFA Nations League is taking part this year. Uh, we have a set of four matches in the month of June and two matches in September. Uh, as a reminder, our group includes the Republic of Ireland, Scotland, and the Ukraine. Uh, big group, tough group. We're in the big time. I think saying League B is um, is definitely... I would consider that to be the yeah, big we're expecting a this. lot of I mean and they it, it took a lot of work to get here of course the winning of the previous Nations League campaign or that that game against Macedonia and and that in 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 Nicosia and gaining promotion I remember that whole huge emotional thing so we're uh we're finally in a in a space where we're going to be playing competitively against teams that are theoretically supposed to be around our level. But as we all know, these teams are very, very good teams. So let's just go through the squad really quickly. Armin and Chadens, we'll start with you, Armin. What goalkeepers and defenders were called up for Armenia? Well, (laughs) I don't know if this is necessarily good news. Goalkeepers are for uh, Yushchenko, David Yushchenko, recently champions with Punique, starting goalkeeper. Great, great goalie, even at this age. Uh, he will be starting. But the second string goalkeeper will be disputed between uh, Arsenbek Larian from Urardu, finalist in the Armenian Cup, uh, Henry Avakian from 
uh, Noravank champions in the Armenian Cup. We've talked about him last uh, show because he's had a great final in the Cup. And lastly, and hopefully leastly, Stanislav Buchnev from uh, FC Punic, uh, David Yushchenko's uh, sub at club level. I'm going to elaborate on this later on, but let's go on to the defenders. Luckily for everyone, and, and I think this is this makes everyone equally happy, uh, Captain El Capitan Varastat Haroyan is back, baby, from his injury. The Cadiz centre-back is finally back. Uh, he's going to be joined by uh, Daron Boskanian, Haik Ishkanian, uh, Raj Mokoyan, and Stiopa Mkachan. All of these are the centre-backs. Uh, Jordi Ararat, who can play centre-back and full-back. Girard uh, Markarian, our boy. Gamo Hovannisian, Hovannis Hampartsumian. And lastly... Arman Ovanisian, one of the captains of FC Punic, Armenian Premier League champions as fullbacks. A lot of options here. I a lot to discuss, but let's go. Let's go on to the midfielders where things get a little bit good. Challenge midfield and attack. Let us know who has been called up. Midfield. Let's begin with Wubemar Angulo. Attack Grigorian. Makurchan, Udo, Haruchunian, Malakian, and our boy, our young talent, Spertian. In attack, we have Khoren Bayramian coming from Russia, uh, Zelarayan with Vahambi Chakchan, Parserian, Babayan, which Armin did not notice, and Seropian with Dashian and our league winner, Adamian. Okay, so, boys, as we always do, we break down the squad and we give our thoughts and opinions and players that we feel have missed out on and can improve upon this squad. Uh, This squad is clearly far from perfect Uh, in terms of defense. I think midfield and attack, there can be improvements, but definitely a lot better than when we're looking at the back line. So let's just start with goalkeepers really quickly. We have... Uh, Yurchenko, Beglarayan, Avagyan, and Bushnev. Now, kind of doesn't make sense to me to call up Bushnev. It never does because he's not good. But secondly, also because he's a backup to Yurchenko who never plays. So uh, other options that are out there is, of course, our BFF Felix Verayan, who plays for Hoyevko in Finland, uh, who actually just had a start in the cup and kept his third clean sheet now. In his all three appearances that he's had so far in Finland? Uh, I mean, three official and another friendly. All four games, official or not, uh, clean sheets. Yeah, so I think he's a player that's uh, definitely overlooked, I would say. Uh, Someone that should have probably been called instead of Bushnev. Uh, Beglarion, again, he's not that good. Um, I think you're better off maybe calling one. his, His form is just bad he had potential five years ago but yeah he wasted that and then you can't you can't reward that exactly and then we have avagyan who i actually approve of this call up uh not because you know notavank in the league obviously not so hot 
but he has had some very good performances lately, and his performance in the cup final against Urardu was very, very good. Yeah. Um, he, he made he some great proven, He's proven that, in my opinion, that when, when things get tough, he he can rise up to the challenge, which is important. And, he is, and he's also very good with his feet, uh, which, as we know, uh, oh. is a criteria that a walking Kapados actually looks for when selecting goalkeepers. Moving on to the problematic part of the pitch. Uh, mainly, we could talk about central defense because I think that's where a bulk of the issues that we see come from. So just to recap, we have Haroyan, Voskanyan, Ishkanyan, Mokhoyan, and Mokhoyan. So obviously, El Capitan, Haroyan, he's there. But big name missing here, guys. Uh, Andre Kalisir, who, of course, mm, is injured. Injured. Uh, he was injured in the warm-up uh, before against Montenegro. Montenegro, against Montenegro, and he has thanks not to, recovered. Actually, thanks to that, thanks to that, we noticed. Uh, I mean, we we discovered Stiopa was actually ready. Uh, ready with an asterisk. I don't think he's completely ready, but I don't think hey, he had a choice. I mean, yeah. I I I no, I think he's ready because the the Norway game was a, a, a collective wash. mistake. It wasn't an individual thing. I mean, it was just wrong that game. So I wouldn't count the Norway game. His yeah, and then against Montenegro, he played really good. Spotless. But again, two stupid yellow cards, and he got he got sent off. Undeserved. But, I mean, neither of them were a foul. If if anything, you can you could uh, like uh, scold him just because he he kind of uh, was naive but neither yeah. of them were fouls but neither his, were dirty plays in his positioning his inner his his instinct yeah, yeah. his tackling all great he's huge which is you know very rare for us mm-hmm. so his aerial presence was very good and had, partnering up with him up with Haroyan was is was honestly was great. I mean, speaking again, of, I'm not speaking even speaking of a huge and 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 like tall and built and 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 all of that strength, physical strength that Vato and Stiopa have. We have some overlooked players that would fill like would add to that, and yeah. not because of like, and they're not less talented because of that. Yeah, because the other call-ups are Voskanian, who hasn't played a single minute in three months because he had torn his. <laughs> Like was it his ankle muscle or something? A muscle in his ankle. So he literally like I don't know how this guy was called up. This made that call up makes zero sense. The guy has not played a second. In September we're getting called up too. Yeah, that's at this rate. <laughs> uh, we're getting called up too. You see, Ishkanyan, who is old, uh, not I, good. I could see that one. No, I I mean. But I, again, he he plays in the considered? worst defense in the league. Beckman is the yeah, worst but, defense in the league. But it's the young team. I mean, it's a team where eight players have to be under 23, uh, like because of a rule. Um, yeah. So it's not his fault. I never really um, disliked Ishkanian. I mean, of course, there are better options than him. But mm-hmm. all things considered, and as we're going to talk about, uh, say, Voskanian and Mokoyan, I think Ishkanian is better. And it's not such a bad call-up. Yeah, I think as a fourth or fifth string, I'm yeah. fine with it. But as a in competing yeah. with with Mukherjee and Voskanian, I mean, I'd much rather obviously have him start. But we know what 
we know what the pecking <laughs> order looks like, and we know that Voskanian yeah. is for some reason number three. Oh. And and I don't understand yeah, it. I, I'm I know we've said yeah. this time and time again, but he literally gives away a penalty or is the direct cause of a goal almost every single game he plays. So I'm 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 not again, I'm just failing to understand how this guy is qualified to even be a professional. Because he's yeah, that but bad. we all know he's gonna start. Yeah. Anyway, so other options we had uh, picked out here is the uh, defensive duo from Noah, Arthur Kartashian, and Haik Musakhanian, who the latter of which has had a very, very good second half of the season, including like seven clean sheets or something. Uh, yeah, both actually both joined the team in the second half of the, of the season. That's true. But but I think Musakhanian has been better. Kartashian has had some yeah. big mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's given away some penalties. Uh, he's been clumsy. Plus but... the expectation, the expectation thing. Uh, Musahanian came from uh, abroad. No one really with some fitness issues. Yeah. Uh, even said, uh, mentioned by himself, like he talked about those, and uh, no one really knew how he was gonna perform. And wow, yeah, it was just surprisingly good. Yeah, and um, so those two, I think are players that could have easily replaced Voskanian and Mikoyan because Mikoyan Long again, overdue. I mean, Long overdue. They should have been already like in the last call-up in the friendly window. And and I, I don't know what... It's really disrespectful by now. Yeah. And then and, and another big looming question mark and thing that has clearly been um, a mistake every single time it's been done, yet it keeps on being done, is calling Kamo as a defender. Which they have done so again, and we've seen every single time Kamo has played left back, we've performed. Can you believe he's horribly. got he's got 70 caps? It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, again, that. like like I said, <laughs> when we play an actual left back, Margarian, we play really well. When we play Kamo at left back, we play very bad, and it doesn't take a professional or a coach to see that. It it like doesn't. Yeah. The average person Kamo's can look only, at this and see that he's not a left bro, back. Exactly. Kamo's only uh, virtue is his pace. And he just, he's a 30, if I'm not mistaken. Like, if if Kamo starts at left back, I, I genuinely think Cap should be fired. I genuinely think so. Because the, there's no way you can make that same mistake that many times and get away with it. Because uh, it literally, said, this episode I mean, just went, ooh. He should. I, I genuinely believe so. I genuinely, genuinely believe it. Because you, you don't deserve to coach a team if you don't understand that that guy is not a fullback. But look, uh, Kamo has <laughs> 70 caps. I don't think he's uh, it's got something to do with the, the coach. I think it goes beyond that. I mean, I'm not saying don't play him. I'm saying don't play him at left back. Play, okay, him, as a, as a, play him as a yeah, sub. Yeah, again. Or like the uh, wing, I agree with that. I would want him to do that because that's what he does for his club, and he does a really good job when he plays right midfield. But he's not a left back. True, true. It's, it's, like, it's like getting to the point of ridiculousness. Uh, that's our our national team sometimes yeah, for you. It's a, it's a circus, right? Uh, the uh, rest of the fullback call-ups, I'm okay with. Um, I do think uh, Derderian not being called up was a big question yeah. mark. Uh, but I also think that comes down to the fact that Gunko at Arara Armenia dropped him for all them out yeah. for no reason, which again led to their t- title loss. And in time, that that is weird. 
Yeah, that one didn't make any sense to me. But again, I'm very confident in Jordi Adarat's abilities. Obviously, Hovana Sambarjumian, he's a, amazing. I know he can perform. Uh, and then Arman Hovanesian, I again, I he's 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 okay. But it's it's all he's also shown that in big pressure, big matches, he he fucks up. So I don't know. I don't know, man. He played uh, he played against Georgia and Macedonia both. Uh, Defi- defining games when we uh, won the Nations League. Yeah, but interestingly enough... I really enough, like him as a second string. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, so, moving on to the midfield, we have uh, Angulo, Grigorian, Mukherjian, Udo, Harutunian, Edgar Malakian, and Eduard Sperzian. Interesting. By the way, the Mukherjian, Mukherjian is Rudik Mukherjian, for those who don't oh. know him. For many... It's kind of a a question mark unknown, yeah, question yeah. mark, a huge question mark. But uh, trust us, he's good. He's just uh, unproven yet. He's just inexperienced. But he's uh, young and he's uh, the starting defensive mid, and this is important. He's a defensive mid with defensive capabilities, which uh, is gonna lead us later on in the show to, to the question mark about how. We are going to approach this uh, formations and the tactics, but he is a good player with a lot to prove and a lot to show. Yeah, and and it's, uh, to me, an encouraging sign, even though Angulo yeah. is in this squad. Uh, it's an encouraging <laughs> sign to me that if that there is a possibility, and he will, considering we have four games, he's probably going to start a game. Um And to me, it looks yeah. pretty divided. We have Angulo, Grigorian, and Mukherjian as the defensive midfielders. And then we have Udo, Harutunian, Malakian as the ball-playing central midfielders. Exactly. Uh, and then I mean, we have... for once, bro, one second, for once we have, after a year, uh, more than one defensive mid called up. After a year. And nine on the, uh, nine wildest games. So, let me, I'm gonna, I, have, I have a question, and I think, Chodens, you might be able to answer this one. So we have Spercian, who's been playing as a central midfielder, right? Alongside the defensive midfielder. That's kind of at how the, the game plan's team. been going at the national team. Uh, but now we have, it looks like, a, t- a six central midfielders with a good balance. Three defensive midfielders, three central midfielders. Yeah, baby. Where does Spercian fit in this? You know what it does. I'm thinking of a potential system change. Okay. I mean, it's What kind of, really think of hard, but... I'm thinking that like there there might actually be a change uh, regarding the the formation a bit. There, I, I'm positive there will be one or two games that there will be a different formation that we have seen before. If we currently I, play four four two or four, not too much four two three one. We don't play that too much, but it's 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 likely it's going to be a mixture of four two three one with a maybe even four three three. I don't mm-hmm. know, possible. It's, yeah, it's kind of tough to play with 4-3-3, but there's a lot of variation. Uh, there's a lot of uh, variations to that formation. Let's 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 talk about that for a minute. So we know that during the last friendly window, Joaquin Caparos said that he is going to use these as direct trials of different tactics, tactical setups to for these Nations League games. He confirmed that playing against Montenegro was supposed to simulate uh, playing against Ireland, and we played a 4-4-2. 
And we're assuming, because that's the case, that Norway is supposed to mirror more of Scotland or Ukraine. Probably more realistically, I don't know, which one would it be more realistically on menu think? You think Norway was meant to emulate Ukraine, maybe? Because they have a tall, physical, quick striker in Yarmolenko? Yeah. First and foremost, I I would have said, you know, uh, without analyze, without having analyzed Ireland like this time three months ago, uh, I would have thought on paper Montenegro is gonna be a lot like Ireland. But the thing is, we have analyzed Ireland a little bit more mm-hmm. when the date came, which is now, and by now we know that. Actually, Ireland plays a very different style, and we were talking about this right before we hopped on the the show. Ireland is, has been playing a very different style than what they traditionally did in history. Um, much more open, much closer to our actual game style. Uh, I'm talking about Armenians, of course. And uh, on the other hand, Montenegro doesn't. So that's going to be tough to equate and 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 to reflect uh and to compare when when it comes to what we did against montenegro we're probably not gonna be able to do against Ireland. on the other hand i think norway does compare a little bit more realistically to both scotland and ukraine and the good thing here is cap seems to have learned from the mistake he did on that game against norway which was not playing a defensive mid and he called not just one, but three defensive yeah. mids this time. Hopefully he plays them, of course, but and and hopefully not Angulo. <laughs> but uh, I would say um, a fully fit Arta Gregorian would be perfect to go with, I don't know, Udo, most likely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, when he gets tired, which he, of course he will, he's 34, you sub him at the 60th minute or so for Rudik. Was a beast, and then it's young. Yeah, and, and I think that t- that type of um, willingness to rotate is going to be key. Uh, if he is like you know being stupid about it, and he plays Grigorian for a full ninety minutes, you know yeah, we can anticipate. Yeah, that would be crazy. I would never do that. You know, I would. You would want to sub these players off, and I think looking at who we have in the midfield, I mean. Again, I wouldn't be opposed to starting Angulo against Ireland and then 60 minutes bringing on Mukherjee, who is more of an anchored defensive midfielder, and then taking off, I don't know, Udo for Harutunyan to give more of an attacking kick or bringing in Malakian if the game is looking like it's getting really physical. You know, and, and those are the type of things that we need to see because we're not in, you know, we're not playing Estonia, we're not playing Georgia, we're not playing macedonia we're playing yeah ireland scotland and ukraine we're playing teams that are going to small components count now i mean mm-hmm. i would i would say that ireland is not that uh different from norway no, from sorry from macedonia and georgia don't underestimate uh, those too i would say closer to georgia i mean closer to macedonia i wouldn't put georgia near them to be honest i don't think i don't think georgia has yet demonstrated demonstrated their full potential i i do think we're a we're a better team but they do have that potential and and they They didn't show it against us they could have 
Well, they could have, but they didn't. So there's, you know, exactly. again, at the end of the day, the results are what matters. And the result was Armenia got promoted. So we're yeah, and, and ah. the thing is, back then we were doing what we, what we were supposed to do. Then we yes. went on to a whole year, 12 months or so, even even more maybe, of not doing things right. And we we were an oracle. Let's I mean, we called it every single time. And results shown that. And the good thing I th I would say that is it seems to be that on paper, uh, the coaching staff seems to have learned from their mistakes. This is a good sign. I mean, of course, could have been better. There, there shouldn't like some players should have shouldn't be there and should be replaced. But overall, I think it's a good sign. Yeah, I do. I do too. But but here's the, here's the question though. I think one thing we have noticed is that Joaquin Caparos is very methodical in his approach to games, and he's made it very clear that he um, does pre-planned changes, pre-planned changes to his tactics going into a game, and he hasn't necessarily demonstrated that he's able to make changes on the fly that can affect games. We're yet to see that from him. And that's the, that's the thing that kind of is preventing me from getting a little too excited for this. Because yes, we do have I the mean, personnel, but if the game isn't going his way, he doesn't, he's not the type of person to change his, his pre-planned changes, you know? Look, uh, one quick counter to that. Uh, I, I would have thought you were right, but Then it popped to my mind that against uh, Macedonia in the 2020 Nations League, mm -hmm. the, basically the final, the last game that was a final, realistically, uh, he started Hagopagopian, the Urartu captain, and who is, of course, key at Urartu. And, but back then, he was also a very important member and, of the national team, and Caparros saw a lot of potential in him, which he still does, but Later on, he went on not to call him because of what, what I'm going to mention. Ahagopian got injured mid-game, and that was really um, unexpected for mm -hmm. all of us. And, and the, the really, I mean, seriously speaking, genuinely, the ball was going through him every, on every play. And, and, it's, and it's not like he was at 10 or at uh, central mid. He was slightly to the left. It was a 4-3-3, and he was slightly uh, left midfielder. Mm -hmm. But every single ball, like, he was key in the passing, in the build-up. And then he went on to be uh, to get injured. And then we changed our whole game style to, to a more counter-attacking uh, style in the second half. And then came, you know, everyone remembers Hoan de Sampartunian's goal by now. It was from a counter. Uh, so I think Cup is very capable of uh, adapting to changes when when they are unexpected. I, I hope you're right because it's I think I just think there there are some things that you know we've seen that still are you know kind of it's kind of surprising to me and I think another example of that is playing Spetsian in central midfield. I yeah, understand yeah, was, his rationale behind it. Wrong. I get it. I totally get why he does it because he is one of the best passers on this team. His vision is is great, uh, but I just think 
you're giving him too much defensive responsibility and not letting that, him be the free-flowing attacker he needs to be. Well, and I you're mean, not getting yeah, the you, most out of him. You can see the logic, but it was predictable that he was going to get caught up in defense from time to time. And it was, it, it is predictable that Edo, I mean, Esperzian is not fit for defensive duties. And then it has to be a very much weaker side than yours who you can yeah. uh like do whatever you want to against and and neither of these teams is that exactly so i i don't i wouldn't if i see him in central midfield i understand why he's there but i just i just think he's you're you're underutilizing him yeah so moving on to the attack uh where we have several players uh including a surprise call up i would say in uh dashian who is a 31-year-old former national team player. I don't think he's a striker, though. He is a right winger, actually, uh, and he, he has is, been. He's playing. super balanced. He has yeah. played everywhere, bro, from the from the middle of the pitch uh, to the striking point. He has played literally anywhere. He's very versatile in that sense. He, he's very versatile, but also uh, kind of concerning that they would call him up instead of a very fit, young, talented, and available Arthur Galoyan, uh, who was actually announced, as we had mentioned in our previous episode, uh, with this whole video and announcement thing with the FFA and a press release mm. and all these things, that he was going to be playing for the national team, and he doesn't get called up, but instead, Dashian gets called up. Uh, I mean, a little confusing and weird, right? Yeah, confusing point because mostly because of what you said, the video, the introduction video, and everything we mentioned on uh, our last show. Go listen to it if you want more information on Arthur. He's a great uh, player with a lot of future. We everyone would have thought that uh, he would have been called, but look, Dashian is very versatile. I think that's what he was going for. He's experienced. He comes off two seasons in Kazakhstan, which is a pretty much better league, uh, realistically, than the APL. Um, and upon his return, he was uh, key to Unique's rotation to be a cha- to become champions. Um, I I could see why he was called up, and I think that. Um, in the attack, like from the central midfielders and attacking midfielders up, mm-hmm. uh, I think the, the call-up was spot on. I agree. I, I really like the fact that we have about six players, seven very capable players that are going to be rotating between four spots. You have the two wings mm-hmm. and the two strikers. Uh, so you have Bairamian, uh, Barcerian, Babayan, Serobian, who are going to be those four wingers. And then you have... Zarayan, Bichakchian, uh, Dashian, and Adamian, who are going to be the front two. That's kind of the way that I'm seeing that this is probably going to pan out. Yeah. Uh, because and, and three be- of those are actually, I want to add this, because we're talking about versatility like two seconds ago. Uh, up front, we have three very versatile players that are, um, all three of them, pretty much wingers. But they're all bullish and built and uh, above a meter 85 tall each. They're all fast-paced. And they're basically bulls. We're, of course, talking about uh, Tikran Pasekian, Edgar Babayan, and uh, recently Belgian champion Sarki Sadamian. All three of them add a lot, and I mean a lot, of versatility to this team. 
So looking at Armenia at first, uh, our team, we come off the back of a pretty bad record. Uh, until this recent win that we had versus Montenegro in the international friendlies, we experienced a winless game of uh, winless streak, excuse me, of nine games. Meanwhile, all three of our group opponents come off undefeated streaks. We have eight for Ireland, eight for Scotland, and ten for Ukraine. Of course, that's expected to change with Scotland and Ukraine playing in the World Cup qualifying playoffs, uh, which is going to be the Wednesday of the week that this episode is released. Um, and the winner of between them will be playing Wales in the final on Sunday, I believe. So let's start with Ireland. Uh, the Irish national team is a very different looking Irish team than the ones that we had faced in the 20, uh, Euro 2012 campaign. Uh, this is not a new look new style Irish national team uh, that is headed by Stephen Kenny, who has made a lot of wholesale changes uh, from what our buddies have told us in the last episode. If you guys haven't done so, check it out. Uh, we got some couple Irish podcasters and Twitter accounts, uh, these great, great young guys who came in and they talked to us a little bit about uh, who Ireland are, how their identity has, has changed for the better and, what we can expect. So we're just going to be focusing on, in general, their style of play and things that we've noticed from our research. Armin, let's start with you. Who are, or what are the key characteristics of this newfound Irish national team? Yes, it's a new face for Ireland with Stephen Kenny, as our buddies have told us. Um... You know, as I said, one would think that Ireland traditionally plays long balls, crosses, aerial duels, all that style of football, which they pretty much excel at. Uh, well, not anymore, folks. Apparently, Ireland have been playing a more fast-paced, short-passing kind of football. No more long ball kind of things and attempts and stuff. There are Actually, they are they are playing much more similar to our style, I would say, as I mentioned. Uh, arguably, with a three-four-three or a three-four-two-one, basically uh, formation with two inside attacking midfielders and two wide midfielders slash uh, fullbacks, which most likely I would say are going to be. Um, Seamus Coleman from Everton and uh, the legend himself, James McLean. I really, really like James McLean. What a character. Too bad he's going to be playing us and hopefully he loses. Other than that, I wish Jimmy McLean a great qualifier, a great Nations League. I mean, um, well, other than him, they have some other, you know, key players. And Chadens, who are those key players? We, we have a couple of them that our buddies had highlighted, uh, but based on our own research, what did we gather? We've got Callum Robinson, who plays at West Brom. Josh Cullen, uh, under like he's suspended. Uh, Obafemi, uh, he's from Swansea, and he's he's got a he's got a good name to himself. Um, the next is uh, Gavin Van. Bazunu, 
who's a goalkeeper with very, very good potential. Yeah, your your boy Kelleher is uh, fighting for that goalie spot with uh, Bazunu. Yeah, and, and Bazunu is actually a Manchester City goalkeeper who has wow. been loaned out in the past couple of years, uh, most recently to Portsmouth. Uh, but a lot of the different uh, people and, and Twitter accounts and, and, and people that we've been, just been in contact with talking about the Irish national team have been have been raving about him. They're saying, you know, this is a guy that has a lot of potential. Uh, so he played in League One, which is the third division in England uh, this season, and he made 44 appearances. He conceded 51 goals, and he kept 16 clean sheets, which, you know, isn't that bad. I mean, that's about, what, uh, 33% clean sheets? That's pretty good, I would say. So he's, um, of course, the level at League One isn't that great. Uh, there but, it is. you know, mm-hmm. Kazakhstan isn't either, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, uh, we're not gonna we argue gotta that. have Next. some hopes. I mean, it's not Premier League either. That's where he's headed, though. That, that's where yeah. Barcelona is headed. But not yet. They, they, there, there seems to be a general consensus that he is going to be fighting uh, for one of the three first-team goalkeeping spots at Manchester City. Uh, so, I mean, yet to, yet to be seen what happens over there, but a lot of promise. Their other keeper uh, is Kelleher, who is 23 years old and is the backup keeper at your club, Chadens Liverpool. So he, I don't know who is going to start in between the sticks, because um, this guy's played, like, not at all, I think. <laughs> he played a couple EFL games, a couple FA Cup games. He made a couple Premier League appearances this season. Uh, so he didn't play much. Uh, he conceded seven goals in his eight appearances, and he kept uh, four clean sheets. So it's a real toss-up of whoever's in, in net for them. But I think regardless, we're, we're talking about a, a decent goalkeeper because their third option is this guy named Mark Travers, who is the starting goalkeeper for Bournemouth uh, in the championship. So they're, you know, whoever they have in goal is, is going to be a good player. You know, it's, they don't have a Bushnev like how we do. Moving forward. Uh, we shouldn't the, have a Butchnev ourselves either. Yeah, both for some reason we, we do. <laughs> exactly. It's not like we have worse choices. We, we have so much better choices. So many. Yes. And speaking of but choices, what the choice yeah. of formation for the Irish national team is a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-2-1 formation. Uh, so they are pretty reliant on their wing backs. Uh, and they like to play three at the back. And normally this is a formation that would be used for like, you know, traditional long ball football, but that's not what Ireland plays anymore. They play a good lot of, as Armin mentioned, uh, quick interplay passing, uh, and they're actually looking pretty good. So we've watched a couple of their games. Uh, we've looked at some of their goals. We've looked at how they've conceded some goals. Uh, gentlemen, let's start breaking Ireland down a little bit. Um, first, Armen, let's talk about how Ireland, you know, we've talked about how they line up. They have this formation where they have four midfielders and three attackers at any time. Uh, how does that shape actually translate to their style on the pitch? Well, I would say that, you know, they, they are a high-pressing team, and uh, 
they kind of leave space. They they seem to be leaving a little bit of space when they are attacking uh, at the bo- the top of the box, which is which would be our three quarters uh, space on the pitch. You know, attacking midfield territory, which is where our players excel. We have Lucas Elarayan, MLS MVP. In America, we have Eduard Spertian, Russian Premier League gem and magician. We have Baham Bajakian, Tigran Bazekian, so many, you know. Uh, and here's the thing. They seem to concede a lot or be a little bit shaky on the long shots. But their goalkeepers are not entirely secure when it comes to long shots. And... Especially when they underestimate a rival or they play against teams they consider inferior, which would be slightly our case. That's where the key would be for us. And men, do we have arguments to profit of that, you know, capitalize off the long shots? I mean, I could go on because here's where the things get good for us. Uh, look. We have so many players that are basically specialists when it comes to long shots. Uh, I, you know, Edward Spertian, uh, Edgar Babayan, Vaham Bechachian, uh, who else? Tikran uh, and All of them have scored actually for the national team from outside the box. Uh, wouldn't that be a key? to break down Bazunu and Gallagher challenge. I sure hope so. You mm. know, you know Gallagher better than than us. How how do you break him down? How do you how do you beat him? I'm not an analyst. <laughs> You're putting <laughs> me in a tough position. But look, um he's he's experienced on a much deeper level than most of our players. That's the case with many of their players. Um, in terms of long distance, I could argue that maybe that's not the case as well. Maybe, possibly, it's that using uh, the advantage of uh, count hitting counterattacks because we've got fast players, but also mm-hmm. um, using using their uh, their depth as an advantage for us. Uh, before I had mentioned about the um, the formations, uh, the four four two would be a good approach if you have the two strikers uh-huh. going behind those defensive lines. I hope I that becomes effective. I see because so what you're saying is is you have the two strikers keeping the three central defenders busy, and then you have the those those two Ireland wingbacks that like to make deep runs in behind the defense, and that's going to leave a lot of space on the wings. Which that's what we you know hope that Tigran Baserian, Vaham Bichakchan, Eduard Spertan can pick out a pass or make a run and get him behind, right? Well, it depends, so rather than, depends on the player who's uh, who's going to yeah. be deployed. That's why, yeah. because I, I personally, I don't have much faith with Dikran, because Dikran is more of um, 
you need one or two next to Dikran to be running. Uh-huh. Uh, but with Vahan, I'm the most confident with Vahan. Mm-hmm. Vahan is that kind of player to just sprint or or Shagoyan, but we don't have Shagoyan in this uh, in this one. So yeah. we have Artur Seropian. He is Which... very much like him and kind of uh, better built physically already. And but he's still only 18 years of age and hasn't had you know little to yeah. minutes. You need very, confidence. Very you need confidence with someone with a, on the ball to be able to to roam and run. And that's so that's that, why behind the defensive lines we could become effective. Could well, be. that's I my mean, that's my point. I don't know. So one one thing we know about Ireland though is that, and and just like many teams in the British Isles, they are very organized on attacking set pieces. Uh, they are generally taller than we are, and they really love to cross the ball. Um, and that's one thing that Armenia is noticeably awful at defending. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are yeah, horrible at That's the worst part. So if we're talking cross-completion, uh, Ireland have completed 83 from 194. So they have about a 43% cross accuracy. Um, and if they're left open and, and not pressed, which, you know, if you have someone like a Kamo at left back who isn't a left back, you expect to see a lot of spaces. So I think um, the return of the fun zone is probably going to be happening if, you know, if these players play, because they're not necessarily ones that are good at cutting out crosses, where I think if we were to talk about Ajiro Margarian, he's much better at cutting off crosses uh, as he's done, you know, week in, week out for Arara Yerevan and for Urardu. Uh, I think that's going to be a huge, huge area yeah. Uh, of importance, defensively speaking, I mean, for Army. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Giro Margarian, uh, and he when he plays, he's a he's a relief really because he, as you said, he he cuts crosses, and he did so wonderfully against no other than uh, the Mannschaft Germany. He played a great game, and then. I remember he had to mark Havertz, you know, uh, and which is not easy. Exactly, and 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 Timo Werner, I think, both of them stronger, taller, and faster, and they would actually beat Girard uh, when it came to pace it in the one-on-one runs. But then again, Girard's positioning allowed him, allowed Girard, of course, to recover, kind of. He forced the mistake in some of the best attackers in the world, like Havertz and and, and uh, Werner. He forced mm-hmm. them to make mistakes, even though they went faster than him. And then that's how he recovered and cut the crosses. So mm-hmm. if he was able to pull that off against uh, the best attackers in the world, I I'm more than confident that then if fit, he could perfectly do that against the very fast. Uh, upcoming Irish attackers too. Yeah, and and so I think crossing is a double-edged sword for Ireland. It's also a a large strength of theirs, but it is also a very noticeable weakness of theirs. Uh crosses and set pieces specifically. Um we as Armenia, you know, have tried and have attempted a crossing style of play and I think I've been a vocal criticism of of that. Especially, I think, if I recall correctly, I think it was the 
the game against Liechtenstein, our one-all draw, where we had something ridiculous, like 40-something crosses in that game, was it, or 30-something crosses in that game, and not a single goal from it. Um, but it, it is their weakness, and I'm not saying cross the ball in the air all the time. Yeah, it was frustrating. And, and one thing I, I noticed from watching and analyzing Ireland and Scotland is actually that you don't have to always cross from the wings. Something that Scotland actually does really well is crossing while inside the box, inside the 18-yard box. And I think that's maybe an approach that Armenia should adopt for this game uh, because we do have personnel that are capable, like Tigran Barcelona and like Sago Damian, who can get on the end of those lower crosses that are inside, you know, and 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 or maybe exactly. do a little bit of hold-up play and create some sort of space or an opportunity for a Edospertian or a Vahamichakchan to come in and finish that opportunity. If you think about it, most of our attackers are good at that. I mean, mm-hmm. I uh, now I you, you mentioned this particular scenario. I started to remember most of our call-ups in, in in offense are good at that. You know, I remember this one goal from Horik Bayramin against Georgia that was exactly like that. You know, a pass, a, a back pass uh, after a pacey run uh, through mm-hmm. the one of the lines. And then I remember I started started to remember one of the Sarko's goals. Uh, then I started to remember all of the Bahan's goals at uh, Bahan Pachachin's goals at club level. Edwards Bertsian at club level. Um, I, we we can pull that off if that's that's one idea. That's one great alternative that Armenia is more than qualified and suited to pull off. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to come down to this realistically. Ireland are not going to treat. They're going to treat us similarly to how they treated playing lesser teams, uh, and not how they played against better teams like Portugal and Belgium, which. Uh, in those types of games, they sat very deep with seven to eight players in the box. They relied on counterattacks and they were, you know, they were somewhat successful. They had a draw against Belgium and they had played a very good game against Portugal. but were unfortunate to lose 2-1. Uh, but instead, it looks like they're going to be playing with more players up top. Uh, they, from the looks of it, it seemed like they had a regular rotation of around four players keeping the defenders busy. Uh, while the other attackers kind of made space or or followed up with the high press. So what it's looking like to me is that the way Armenia is going to want to play to succeed in this match is stop the crosses, immediately get the ball up the wings where there's going to be space, and let your creative outlets do their thing. So get it out to Tico, get it out to Vahan, get it out to Edo, get it out to Baramian, and let them dribble through, create that space, and either make that final pass or take that shot from outside the box. And I think that's how we're going to be successful in this game. I hope Vaughn is yeah. a striker as well. I hope he's more of well, a winger. That's what he's been playing lately. So I would say it's very likely. No, I mean, for the national team, his last goal against Montenegro came not only after a long-distance shot, which apparently is one of Ireland's weaknesses in defense, not just that, Vaughn actually had a great game against Montenegro playing at 4-9 with, uh, alongside Eric Partanian. So that would be a good alternative for Vaughn. And it was good to, to see that. It was one of another, another one of uh, Cap's good discoveries, in a way. Um, and another thing I was thinking, unrelated, 
but not entirely, is if, say, you mentioned Aram Khorik Bayramian in the wing, in the left wing especially, uh, Khorik comes off a light injury, actually a set of light injuries, uh, which is pretty much related to his age and, and the way he plays, which is mm. not good for a 30-year-old, yeah. which is also, you know, I'm going to go... Uh, to another topic a little bit, but I also mention um, in time I'm mentioning more and more often that we have to start thinking about uh, replacing Horik, giving him more of a, a secondary role, kind of a, what Gevor Kazarian has been doing over the last two years, uh, you know, coming off the bench, occasionally starting, but not regularly. That should be, should be the new role for Horik and a very good alternative for a hypothetical formation against Ireland that wouldn't have a number 10 if we are to play without a number 10. I would say, I would argue, for Edward Spetsian to play off the left wing because we know, and, and, and this is already, <laughs> there's already plenty of evidence to this, that Edo is not fit for center mid for us. Straight, either attack mid or off the wings, nothing more. Anything behind or uh, up front from that three quarters for Edwards uh, would be wasting one of the best talents uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, and he has shown at Krasnodar over the last two years or three maybe that he can do wonders. He can work wonders off the left wing too. So, gentlemen, we that concludes our little preview of Ireland. Let's get a little bit of a prediction going. I know people kind of like it when we do that. I'm not saying necessarily scores, but or the results. But what's your expectation from this first match against Ireland in the Nations League? Let's start with you, Chadens. A lot what of result uh, do you expect? A lot of a lot of shots on both mm-hmm. both teams. Or, or no, if if not a lot of shots, the shots will be equal. They're not gonna be very, uh, very different from each other. Uh, I wouldn't, I would have said as a result a draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean we're coming back after a while, and you know the team has to settle for a bit. Uh, so a win would be difficult. Mm-hmm. But I'm not fully really ruling it out. Okay. So you're saying it's going to be a lot of shots, but maybe a low-scoring game and very close. Mm, yeah. To sum it up, yeah. Okay. Uh, what about you, Armin? I do agree with the analysis. Uh, that is going to be an open game. It is going to be an open game. That's Hopefully that's what it what happens. Well, not hopefully, but most likely. I don't know what to hope for anymore. Uh, but I know that we're expected at least, expected. Maybe it doesn't happen, but I'm, I expect an open game. A lot of shots, as Chanin said, and it could go miserably for us. It could go very, very bad, or it could go very, very well. It really, really depends, in my opinion, on whether or not uh, two things. Uh, if Vato Haroyan is fit and he starts, 
which then again doesn't guarantee much because he hasn't played in months. But I, when when he comes to the national team, especially after something as emotional as an injury, he transforms in an entirely different beast. Um, but I am going to gamble on this team. Uh, I've seen some good changes. I've seen some good additions. Of course, it's far from a perfect call-up. But I'm hopeful, and I think we can win this. Sounds optimistic. I like it. Just like me. Stupidly like, optimistic. No, no, no. But you know, <laughs> you know, I'm usually the realistic one. I'm usually not precisely known for my optimism. Mm-hmm. But but this time, I think we can do it. I I think so too. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be. I totally agree with Providence's analysis and with your analysis. I think it's going to be what you guys exactly the Montenegro game. And I think that's how it's going to be. So we'll see, hopefully Uh, moving on to our second opponent that we will be playing in the UEFA nations league is Scotland. Now Scotland's a a bit of a different animal uh, for a couple of reasons. They are going to be playing in a World Cup qualifying playoff against our third uh, member of our group, Ukraine, on Wednesday. And that match is going to determine who plays in the final against uh, against Wales. So it benefits Armenia if Scotland beats the Ukraine and goes on and plays in a final uh, versus Wales. Because we play Scotland twice. We play them in match day two and in match day four so yeah in, for, yeah, this, in this is, uh in this uh window in this yeah in this window so it, it's it, to us it's it's very beneficial because sure if we yeah. do have a terrible game and we lose to them squad. yeah mm. if we lose to them in the second game we still have our fourth game which for them is potentially a sixth game in a span of like two weeks or something which is crazy so it's condition condition yeah and they and all their players just got off a very long season and players like you know Andy Robertson who's gearing up to play in the Champions League final so there's a lot going on you know in their neck of the woods they haven't even thought about Armenia yet and I think by the time they get to thinking about us uh it can really really be beneficial to us so the way Scotland play is very direct very quick passing, and they take a lot of shots. Uh, who are some of their key players, Chodens, for us to look out for? Well, the key players, Che Adams, Andy Robertson, as you mentioned, Adam, uh, mm-hmm. McGinn, Scott McTominay, Wood is at Kieran, uh, Kieran Tierney as well, but he's uh, left out, surprisingly. Um mm. These are very, very quality players, uh, Premier League players, elite players. Um, they are not just key players; they are super key players. Yeah, and and even their their depth is extremely noticeable. I mean, looking at their left back, like let's say for example, they decide, you know what, Andy Robertson, you've played three games in a row. Let's give you a rest against Armenia, their backup goal, their backup left back 
is this young 19-year-old, uh, what's his name, Aaron Hickley, who actually plays for Bologna in Serie A at the age of 19. So it's like, that's a really, really good backup option to have right there, you know? You were, uh, th- their depth is is tremendous, and they are all playing at a very good level. They're playing either in uh, the first division in Scotland, in the Premier League, or in the Championship. Uh, that seems to be where... 99% of their players end up playing. Similarly to Ireland, Scotland also deploy a 3-4-2-1, uh, which relies a lot on wingbacks, uh, but also not as heavily as, yeah, you, would, you know, Ireland do. Because I, a I lot would of say their a much more balanced team. I, yeah. Exactly. I would say a much more balanced team when it comes to possession. Yeah, and yeah, if we they're, look at they're the more balanced, definitely. If we look and, at the and much more lenient to taking shots from wherever in the pitch. Yeah, there's going to be a problem. If we look at the statistics, fifty-nine <laughs> percent of their shots were taken within the eighteen-yard box, and thirty-two percent of their shots were taken from outside the box, while only ten percent were inside the goalkeeping area. So they don't try to tap the ball in; they really try to get inside the box and take a shot. That's through their, the middle, especially. Fun. Yeah, because seventy-eight percent of their attacks go through the middle. You know who it's up to. David. Number. Yeah. So expect um, <laughs> expect an onslaught of short crosses to the center of the box, a lot of quick snapshots, a lot of quick low shots, um, and they they have a ton of strengths. I mean, offensively on set pieces, very very good. Uh, because, you know, they have a lot of players that play in leagues where set pieces are crucial uh, and are and is a primary way of getting goals. Uh, they'd like to take a lot of box, uh, a lot of shots from the center of the box. Uh, and they love to do short crosses from inside the box. But that isn't to say that they don't have any weaknesses. Uh, based on what we saw in the World Cup qualifying campaign, Armin, and in the Euros, uh, what would you assess as Scotland's primary weakness? Well, uh, first off, one thing I noticed both when it comes to Scotland as well as uh, Ireland, uh, it's the set pieces. I mean, they're good, really, really good. (laughs) Good would be an understatement when it comes to offensive set pieces. Uh, But then again, both Ireland and Scotland seem to be vulnerable when it comes to set pieces too. And... That's actually something that happens to us, you know? So don't rule that out. We 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 are pretty good when it comes to offensive set pieces. The the issue I think with that is on it, and this is one thing I've been looking forward to a lot since Lucas joined the national team. I've been looking forward to getting set pieces in in danger areas, but we hardly, hardly win any. True. Well uh yeah, that's true, but uh, Maybe with a different style, because here's the thing. We have played, think about the period when Lucas joined, you know? Lucas joined after the whole, uh, you know, letter, open letter, you know? Uh, That basically was the inflection point for the whole change in, in tactics and squad lists. And basically, we went from a uh uh, an undefeated streak to a winless streak. Lucas joined joined for that and 
for after the winless the winless streak. Uh, I think we are yet to win a game with Lucas on the pitch. So things are set to look different for us, at least when it comes to strategy. And this will be the sure. first uh, the first camp with Lucas on a new mindset, so to speak. Yeah. But, but my thing is, my point was that we don't draw fouls in central areas because we don't tend to play in central areas. And that's something that, you know, uh, if you have a player that can that is as good at, as free kicks yeah, as but... Lucas is and as Edo is, that's that's something you would want to do. Right. You would want a, a part of your strategy to be drawing fouls in those types of danger areas. So your dead ball specialists can do the things that they're really good at. Yeah, but let's uh, focus a little bit, one second, on uh, some of the most remarkable and memorable goals we've scored over the last two years under cap, right? You got Vahan against Montenegro, off the top of my head, right? Uh, you got uh, Edward Spertian against uh, Romania 10 minutes after being subbed in for the first time ever for his first international game. Uh, you have Tiko Pazekian against uh, Iceland. Horik Bayramian against Iceland. That's four nice open play goals. Uh, what else? There's a fifth one. I think, uh, okay, no, let's go with that four, right? All those four goals were, scar- were scored from mid to long distance, if you follow me. And off basically right before getting into the into the box so the reason and and the yeah i'm not mentioning the the whole winless streak because that was a different game plan that was where everything went wrong armenia is supposed to play like we played in 2020 not like we played in 2021 and we have players getting to those areas of the pitch you mentioned in three quarters of the pitch right before getting to the box, dangerous places. But we were, for that time frame, deadly. We were deadly. So if we are the Armenia of 2020, we're not even going to need the free kicks. But the question is, are we are we going to be that? And and that, the jury's still out on that one. And I, I don't I don't know. That's that's exactly. that's the real question. I don't know because um, that that Armenia could get free kicks. The other Armenia couldn't get the ball. Yeah, I, and just looking at um just just to turning our attention back to Scotland, they're a team that is plays very hard. They they seem to foul a lot. I would say. In almost all their games in the World Cup qualifiers, they had like a lot of double-digit fouls. So they, there seems to be very physical style mm-hmm. of play there, which you expect because a lot of their players play in very physical leagues. Um, they, which is good for us. yeah, and, and in games that they didn't perform as well, uh, you know, they still have are have been very good about their conversion. So. We know, and it, it's very obvious, you know, a team like Scotland wouldn't get to the World Cup playoffs, wouldn't have qualified for the Euros if they aren't a good team. It's it's fairly obvious. So despite their performance at the Euros, because they played some pretty damn good teams, uh, we expect this Scotland to be, in my opinion, you know, probably 
group winners. I, I think that's my anticipation. Uh, what do you guys yeah, think about that? I I I, I, I agree. I agree. And because even if then, we're uh, looking, yeah, uh, Go ahead. good Armenia. You know, Armenia from 2020. Even then, could could even uh, cause an upset. Maybe mm-hmm. not playing the most beautiful football, but that team could get results. And it's roughly the same personnel, and of course, naturally, the entirely the same uh, coaching staff from back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm optimistic it, when it depends on on the the lineups really, because the squad list has good things to be hopeful. Yeah. And hopefully the lineup reflects that. Instead, we'll probably get Angulo and Kamal yeah, left back and and Boscani That's the on thing. It, so it's crazy because being a four-game window, naturally we we have a 30-man squad because that's how it is. It's not a 23, 24-man squad for a two or three-game window. It's uh-huh. wider. So this time we get both the bad call-ups, aka the fun zone and Butchnev, etc. As well as the good call-ups, you know? Uh, yeah. So it could literally be anything. Yeah, so, I mean... Look, there's space for everyone. There's space for everyone. And and maybe, you know, Cap could take the approach of putting all the shitty players out against Scotland the first time and then saving all the good players for the second game against Scotland where we can, you know, take it to them uh, at home. Oh, so and they can underestimate On their us. last game, and they can underestimate us, and then we can get three points off them, and then we can be like... Oof, okay, we're safe, you know? <laughs> That's a hope. Um, so, boys, predictions for Scotland. Uh, for Scotland, game one. We'll keep it to game one because uh, we are hoping to do another preview after these first two sets of matches for the game against Ukraine and the second game against Scotland. So let's focus on first game. Uh, Chadens, how do you think, how do you anticipate the first match against Scotland going? Uh, tough one. We're gonna we're w- as a result we will likely lose, but we will have a chance to to manage a draw because not because I I'm I don't want us to under to overestimate Scotland. But I also mm-hmm. don't want to un- underestimate our abilities because it, that first game is the most important. So if we mm-hmm. continue from, if we manage well in the first game and we continue to the second game to not lose what we have, we could stand a chance against them. Mm-hmm. Armen, what are your thoughts? Well, I would say that right off the bat, it's most likely that we're going to lose under most scenarios uh especially if we beat ireland because that would mean that we put ourselves out there and did our best against ireland which would Mm -hmm. leave our players our best players at least uh tired and stuff Uh, and or as you said adam leaves the the worst set of players so to speak for scotland Mm -hmm. um if we don't if we don't manage to beat Ireland uh i think we would have a shot at maybe taking a draw off scotland mm-hmm. but i don't see us beating scotland either way because their second string players 
are insane as you mentioned i mean yeah they are just almost just as good as their first string players and uh, yeah. and realistically better than ireland's second string which is yeah. why where they they are where they are exactly and and rotation is going to be key for them and and i and i kind of agree with your assessment i think the approach in this first game against scotland um considering also that it is a way is is frustrate them as much as possible i think I think if you can get under their skin within the first 30 minutes of the game, and you and if you if we haven't conceded by the 60th minute of the game, I think um, the frustration can build, and I think we can make a draw. I I, I don't I don't mm-hmm. think we can beat them, uh, at least not in this first game. I just I just I I can't see it happening. But in fact, bro, in fact, of course, and all of this is depending on how things progress over the uh, upcoming two weeks until our game against Ukraine, I would yeah. say that the team uh, between Scotland and Ukraine, of course, the team that has a wider difference between their first string and second string players is Ukraine. If Definitely. Ukraine gets into the game against us playing their second string team, we have a huge chance of getting something out of that game. Yeah, because a lot of their players are Ukrainian based. They play for Dinamo or Shakhtar, and a lot of their yeah, first they, string players play outside know of Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. and and our players know those players, you know, because we have several players that play in Ukraine also. So I'm, I would be very confident against the Ukrainian second string side for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, gentlemen. Hopefully that's the case. That concludes this episode and our UEFA Nations League preview. As a reminder, the matches start this week. We play Ireland at home on Saturday, June 4th, followed by Scotland away Wednesday, June 8th. Uh, And then we take on Ukraine away on June 11th. That game is actually going to be in Poland. Uh, And then we come back home to take on Scotland for the second time. Uh, We will hopefully be providing a little wrap-up of the first two games and a preview of the second two games, if we can, if time permits. Um, if not, we'll probably just do a wrap-up show after all four matches are done. Uh, but we'll we'll try we'll try to do one in between because considering it's four games, that's a lot yeah. of, you know a lot of stuff to cover. Um, it's gonna get any, hectic. It, it it is gonna get hectic. This is the time I, I enjoy the most. So, <laughs> any additional thoughts, Chadens, Armin, before we wrap up? To be outside, that's all we can see. <laughs> all right. Well. On behalf of everyone here, on behalf of Obag Antoine, thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please share, like, go to our Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all that jazz. Stay we almost hit 1,000 followers on Twitter. Stay updated yes. with the news, our news, of course, because a, any single detail could change the entire National uh, Nations League camp. Oh, I know what you're implying there, uh, but we won't get into that. Not just for uh, us, oh. but any single detail involving our rivals, too. That's true. And uh, also, we are anticipating a new kit to be released. Uh, so hopefully that will be coming out. Let's, so. yeah, we are yeah, anticipating a lot of things. Yeah, I think by the time the show comes out, there will be a lot more clarity. <laughs> so, probably, <laughs> gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you, listeners, uh, for listening. And this has been Football Against Fun. We will be back after the game against Scotland to preview Ukraine and the second match against Scotland with hopefully... Hopefully, cross our fingers, four points, three points would be good enough too, honestly. 
Um, let's see what happens. The Nations League back to competitive football. We'll see you guys in a few. Peace.